You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. And I'm Riley. And today we are sitting down with Madam Bella Cummings. She's the owner and operator of Bella's Hacienda Ranch, a legal brothel located in Wells, Nevada. Founded in 1950, the premier adult entertainment destination in Northeast Nevada provides a safe and lawful option for sex workers to prosperously practice their trade. Serving customers from across the globe, Bella's offers a ton of exclusive amenities, including VIP accommodations and a selection of exquisitely designed erotic specialty rooms. Madam Bella is always fighting for a better experience for the sex workers she works with. Most recently, Bella is advocating to change the language on sex worker licenses to show greater respect for women working in a controversial space. Bella also founded and funds the Onista Foundation, an action group with the mission to support Nevada sex workers and advocate for prostitution legalization through the United States. Madam Bella has owned and operated the brothel for over 30 years and can speak at length about the ins and outs of legalized prostitution in Nevada and what it's like to manage one of these unique businesses. We were so excited to talk with Bella and she, like we said throughout the episode, she is such a wall of knowledge. You guys are going to love this episode. So here you go. Madam Bella, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you. Starting out, can you let us know how long you have been in the sex work industry and which avenues you've worked in? I have been in the legal licensed sex industry for 37 years. And it's the only state that in the rural areas which would be the state of Nevada, that has these licensed brothels. And how did you first get into the industry? I actually married a man who had purchased what was then Hacienda, and he was supposed to be a silent partner. And it turned out that he needed for me to step up and learn how to run it successfully. He needed me to understand the financial end of it. And once I understood that, then I was able to help, I'm going to say, transform the idea of, uh, I'm going to say, the brothel located in Wells, Nevada. And the reason I say it that way is when he bought initially as a silent partner, it was a business that was like standing room only. And because of the interstate, and that's what we're on is interstate I-80 or uh, Highway 93, when that interstate was built, the the barricades at each little town forced traffic to go through the town and they were the town a town all the way along that corridor was given 10 years to figure out how they were going to survive and then thrive and when i came on the barricades had come down which meant no one had to stop unless for some reason they wanted to and so the town Actually, and many towns along the corridor went through a huge depression when the rest of the 
country was thriving. And so then what I needed to understand was how to get clients off the road. And at that time, this little device called the CB radio, Citizens Band Radio, was in almost every vehicle. You know, there were still people that put it in their vans and put it in their cars and their Jeeps and, of course, long haulers all had them because it was pre-cell phone. And so with that technology, uh, meaning a base station in the brothel, well, we were in business again. We could have as many as 75 vehicles in the parking lot. And, and I learned that times do change. And you have, to, you have to find that next progressive way to reach the, the clients that are looking for, um, I'm going to say, a legal brothel. So you came into the sex work industry um, as someone who ran a brothel that like that was your entry into the industry as a whole? You know, My entry really, I went, really went to college for animal science, okay? I really wanted to be a rancher. I am. These are called ranches. It's just two legs instead of four. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the fact was, as much as I really wanted that to be my career, I, I was, I was, massaged forward towards, you know, marrying David and pre-marrying David, I had a restaurant in the Mound House area. Well, that's where Dennis Hoff's eventually were his, uh, I'm going to say the majority of his original rural brothels uh, were located, okay? And of course, they're still under the, the I'm going to say his uh, trust or however that works. But back then they were all owned individually by, you know, just different people. And I had a restaurant, as I said, and the, these owners and madams and they would come in to my restaurant. And so I would, I would ask questions. I would un wanted to understand certain things like, why is a brothel or all these brothels located in the same vicinity as uh, industrial and wrecking yards or junkyards, you know? And it was because citizens didn't have a problem with them as long as they were in a bit of a remote area. In other words, nobody was going to build next to them. No one was going to build a big uh, residential subdivision. And so, of course, they're still there. And there's, of course, other businesses in that area, too, because it is an industrial area. But, you know, moving forward, I did go see some of those houses. But it, it, I knew that wasn't, you know, like a location where maybe I would go to work there someday when I sold my restaurant. But no, it wasn't that. It was, you know, David came into the restaurant. I met him. Um, you know, he, we began dating, and then it seemed like it was something that I should do in order to help him, and of course, initially to help us, because he already was involved in the, the ownership of it. What he never told me was how much we owed prior to getting married, 
and that I was going to get to be the one to pay for it. And, Lucky and you. <laughs> and so I, I, I made the payments and I was able to get our home out of hock. And, and the more I understood the business, then the more I was able to uh, move forward paying things off in, I'm going to call it a, a short amount of time. I think it was about a decade that I figured out how to how to turn what became Bella's Hacienda Ranch around where, and, and then of course cell phones happened, right? And CB radios went away and there were still people that had them. Well then how do you advertise? How do you, the, the social media stuff? And we all know in our industries collectively, if it has anything to do with sensual sexual services, they don't want us to thrive. You know, Instagram, you're there one second, the next second you're gone. This is same with all of them. Or or maybe they now they're getting into the banking. Oh, we don't want you in banking. And so it's a it it's besides being an incredibly misunderstood industry, it is a calling for people. It's calling, I don't care if it's men or women or whatever, if someone really feels like they are supposed to experience this, what right does anyone have to say, oh, no, 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 that's a sin. I don't believe that. Yeah, we, uh, I, I'll speak collectively for both of us, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, us and pretty much every person we know in the industry has definitely um, been uninvited um, to the Instagram platform and faced issues taking payments and getting payments. And we always look at each other and we're like, how these are consenting adults, not hurting anyone. You know, it's just, it doesn't quite make sense to us. Um, so, so we completely agree. And then how did it um, switch hands to being uh, Bella's from David? Oh, from Hacienda? Yes. Or one more time, uh, Danica. Did yeah, I get the question yeah, correct? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, after David passed away, and he was a good bit younger than I, um, and he wasn't very healthy, you know, it sort of caught up with him later in life. But um, I went through a situation after he passed where the darndest people wanted to come and take advantage of me thinking that I didn't know what I was doing or maybe they wanted first count but they thought I should just go home and you know everything would be taken care of and I of course very kindly uh, suggested that I uh, yep I might be grieving but I knew what I was doing I had been prepared for this for a while and thank you very much I'll I have it and it it caused me to have uh I'm gonna say a pretty rough 20 years following his leaving and I, I'm thinking that just sometimes being a woman and and a, I called myself a, a very kind but powerful woman you know, when I have something to say, I'm going to say it. And it isn't to hurt anyone's feelings. It's just 
what I believe is the truth. They don't have to listen. They don't have to judge me. They can, They do. But it's okay. I'm going to do what I'm here to do because I never want to get to the end of my days and regret never speaking up for any industry that is sensual sexual services. It would be impossible for everyone that wanted to exchange those types of services for whatever, we could say money, to, to get into a Nevada rural brothel. There just isn't enough room, right? And that is never everyone's calling. So I feel like everyone that is in the industry that, in my opinion, should be decriminalized because decriminalization and and what I call regulation or even legality is at least moving in the same direction. And no one should be made a criminal just because they in they want the services and to pay for the services of uh, of I'm going to call sensual sexual activities. And I'm a firm believer in that. Yes, I would like to see uh, legal legality move across the country, but that still never means that people can't be independent contractors and do what they want to do. But I still think people should have the ability to go to an area that that has, let's say, houses, because that might be the way they choose to experience uh that humanness in their life. I really like that. Um, can you explain the current laws surrounding prostitution in Nevada? I, I know our laws here in Canada are very, very different. And um, there's a lot of confusion, even our, about our laws here. So do you mind explaining to the listeners uh, the laws on prostitution in Nevada? And then what does it mean when people say a legal brothel? Okay. We'll start with a legal brothel, all right? And it in 1971, so we've been doing this for over 50 years. And what we've proven in rural Nevada is that legalization uh, regulated correctly works. You know, we don't have the, the sex crimes or anything like that. Or, or um, Wells has a lot of truck stops in it. So... There are no uh, women with working out of these uh, parking lots, so it's all uh, it's all very good for the town because then they can have both. But in in the very beginning, as I said, 1971, it was really Joe Conforti that petitioned and. And probably it was a rainy night and nobody showed up, was able to get the, the concept of legal prostitution through the legislature. It's very, very archaic, you know, where there's more rules and regulations and fines and punishment for the gentleman than the actual working lady. But what it also gave was uh, regulations that left that pulled the state out of it. The state wrote a county 
can decide by vote if they would like to have legal brothels within their county. And then if a city within the county, meaning a, uh, um, an incorporated city, which Wells is, even though it's really small, that incorporated city has the right to have another vote within their population to determine if the city of Wells wants to have houses within their city limits. So first it had to be the county and then the city could decide. So Wells in 1971 voted for the legalization of two houses. All right. And in their code, which is being rewritten right now because uh, its last update was like uh, probably 1999. <laughs> and so there are some things that change. You know, I mean, testing changes or nurse practitioners instead of doctors. I mean, just all these little phrases or wordiologies that, that if they don't keep up, all of a sudden it appears that that there's speed bumps, right? So the, that explains how the brothels got into the areas they're at. The other part of the, of the code, or the NRS code, stated that if a city had a population of 400,000 or more, they couldn't have a brothel. Now it's up to 600,000 because Clark County, uh, Las Vegas, wants to run theirs without any legalization. So there is a lot of illegal sex work going on in Las Vegas. And of course, there's some in Reno as well. But obviously, Reno is much smaller. Uh, and Reno also has a couple of houses that are fairly close to Reno, and that helps. Carson City, which is the capital, there are five houses that are about 15 or 20 minutes away, just like in Reno. But Vegas, Vegas is the conundrum. They're the puzzle because obviously they want the illegal activity. And, and it, for a lot of people, women, sex workers, that go to that area, they have to be very careful because I, I believe with all my heart that crime is associated with it as well. And I still feel like if you go to the wrong hotel or the wrong corner, you may never be seen or heard from again. So, and I know it's in other cities as well, but I do feel strongly that if there was just a district in Vegas, that it would take all of the, the stuff off the streets that make it look like like it's the opposite of, of family-friendly. You know, it doesn't help families that, that want to go down there and experience Vegas as well to, to have be handed papers or cards or whatever or see big semis turning down uh, that, I think it's Tropicana, and, and it has a, a young lady on the both sides of a semi, and it says, call. And, and to me, that, that is 
of the opposite of of even a class act. So when, I think that it. Sorry, I was just gonna say you said something before saying you you want you Las Vegas wants to keep um, the illegal activity. Can you explain why that might be? Like what um, the difference in regulations are between having a illegal brothel, a legal brothel, and then maybe a decriminalized like sex work realm. Um. Repeat that part about the the three parts, okay? I understood the first one or two, but the the just give me give me the question again. Yeah, of course. So you said something there before about how you you think that Las Vegas wants to keep the illegal activity. Can you kind of give us a rundown between the difference um, between an illegal and a legal brothel in terms of what that might mean for Las Vegas? first of all there are no legal brothels down there all right they they were it was written in the nrs code that there would be no brothels in washoe county or clark county it was just a fact all right and there's a a possibility okay and it's truly there i can't put facts behind it but I know that there are certain big uh, hotel casinos that want to run their own, I'm going to call it sensual sexual services in their establishments. And it's, it's obvious because, you know, I've been in those, some of those casinos, I can pick out who's a sex worker and who isn't. And I understand them wanting to keep, you know, the, let's say the high rollers, the big money in, in their casino. And then just provide those services if somehow they're asked for. And I won't say there isn't money exchanged because that I, I, I've never seen that, but I would think that there is. Yes, I have had ladies that have worked down there in that area. And I think they have to be very careful. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of it maybe goes through escort in some parts and other parts it's, it's totally in house. I'm, I'm never going to say that that's wrong. I'm just going to say for Another opportunity is to put a district in, and that way, if there are, let's just say, tourists that want that experience, they're going to get the tax revenue. They're going to get other things that are going to help Vegas, because if anything that happens that isn't, let's say, as a legal business, there's going to be no tax revenue collected. And if someone is in business as a sex worker, there should be. There should be some something that they're doing as a business owner and let's call it an American citizen. We don't want to get into the fact that I don't think any of the, our um, tax collectors do the right thing with the money, but it just seems to be uh, 
the way it is right now, that taxes, those revenues should be collected so that uh, like cities like Wells can can exist, can carry on, can, can move forward. Sorry, just to clarify, is prostitution legal in, in Nevada, but body houses slash brothels are not? In Las Vegas, you mean? Oh, sorry, in, in Las Vegas, particularly. I can, somehow your real your voice is so soft. That's okay. I'll, so, I'll ask you again. Okay. So just to clarify, maybe we're completely missing the mark here. Am I correct in understanding that prostitution is legal in Nevada, but brothels are not? In Las Vegas. In right? Las Vegas. Sorry, I keep saying the wrong thing. Yes. No, they are legal. They're outlawed. And then is prostitution so, also illegal? Yes. Oh, it's okay. illegal unless it's within a licensed house. Okay, gotcha. So you know, a lot of people go, "Oh, well, Nevada, it's legal," and they they didn't read the rest of the sentence. Right. You know, some, I've had clients come through the door and say, "I said, well, would you like to see a lady?" And they go, "I had one at the truck stop in Wendover, fifty nine miles away." I said, that wasn't legal. Well, it's legal in Nevada. I said, only in a licensed house. Okay. Oh, oh. So the, the idea is it works. That's the whole thing. It works. We don't have sex crimes. Uh, it gives the ladies a place to work where they're actually a licensed independent contractor. And this is part of another question that I probably should have answered and, and didn't. But they, here's what they, the, the lady gets to do. She has to have a medical clearance that's blood and culture once she's in the house. Uh, and then she has to purchase a Nevada state business license. It's good for one year. It's $200. All it reads is sole proprietor. The state just wants the money. Well, what else does that do? It, it means they're illegal. They're, they're a legal business. Why would a state take away um, any type of legal activity in the rural areas and take that money away out of their budget? So that actually made us even more legitimate. The third requirement is um, an FBI fingerprinting, and uh, that's just to make sure they aren't a hardened criminal. And that, yes, they, they can have made errors in their life. They can even have made errors that involved um, being arrested for uh, sexual activity in an area where it was frowned upon. And that's okay. They understand those things are going to happen in other areas. But once they have the fingerprints, they go to the city of Wells and they're issued a work card. And that work card is good for a year. And I am right now working to change that word that's on the card from prostitute to courtesan. And yes, courtesan means prostitute, but it also adds that they have a higher, wealthier clientele. And it goes back to, uh, to Venice and where the courtesans were actually 
the, um, let's call it the sex workers for the kings and the nobility. <laughs> and I happen to think that everyone that chooses this industry should realize that they have that, they can have that magnetism. They can be that. You don't, they don't have to uh, attract uh, people that aren't wealthy, people that are, you know, that's the whole idea behind what I call behind and within sex work. There's all different levels. And when a person gets into what I call the Cortigiano Onesta, you're the you're the best of the best. I love that. <laughs> Kings only. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how does advertising work then? Um, what we can call independent contractors or sole proprietorship. Um, can they advertise as well then? Or is the advertising have to go through the brothel? for it to be legal? Uh, I'm going to say they advertise any place that lets them advertise. All right. And, and all, all I ask is that they, in their advertising, that they mention where they can be found. Okay. They could advertise, you know, it used to be like Backpage and all these other things. Well, now it's like OnlyFans or all these other great uh, places that have, uh, let's say, come to be. And they, the lady, if she says, you know, um, I, I am at Bella's Hacienda Ranch in Wells, Nevada. And you can see me on Bella's.us. And you can book an appointment. You can leave a deposit. Uh, I'll be there from this state to this state. And the gentleman that, that frequent the brothel were, were like a destination and a destination for clients that are always passing through and, and that is where their sexual release is, all right? And there's many, many people that just have no time for a relationship or they get tired of splitting their stuff just to possibly have um, sex. So well, there's all these different reasons in, uh, and I'm going to say at this time in history. And I'm actually thrilled that there, there doesn't have to be all these one night stands. It can be two people that would really like to get together. And even if it's for, for one experience and they don't have to call each other in the morning. So I, I believe that we came here to be sexual and sensual. We came here for the touch. We didn't really come here to see how hard we could work or how much we could eat or drink. We came to experience all the, all the I'm going to call it sex or touch that we can we can have without manipulating another because then it's harmed to none. So I I believe that people don't have to get married or or be engaged or all these other things to just have 
sexuality in their relationship. I, we're really, we're herd animals. To be able to stay with someone for 50 years and really not have it be an endurance contest <laughs> is, I think, <laughs> difficult. We change. I really, I really like what you said there. And it's something I say a lot because I hear it a lot from people who obviously we have a lot of full service friends and people say to them a lot like, oh, I can't believe you have sex with old, gross, sad, pathetic men. It's like, that's not the case for a lot of people who seek out sex work. Um, and one who even talks about it, so judgy. But a lot of them you find are people who just in this day and age, we glamorize and we, um, we clap for people who are constantly busy as if that's something to aspire to, where we don't really have time to, to have relationships. A lot of people who want to succeed in their, in their careers, especially the relationships fall at a wayside. So how nice it is to be able to meet, have a lovely experience with someone who you're attracted to, consenting adults, maybe multiple consenting adults, and, you know, you know, explore things you want to explore sexually. And then you go home, you've had a lovely experience, they've had a lovely experience, and there's no obligation to call the next day. There's no hurt feelings. Um, I think when you when you phrase it like that to help you understand, um, they go, Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I'm looking at you. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Tell me how right I am. <laughs> yes, very right, as always. <laughs> so uh, when we were chatting um, before via email and looking up some of some of the links in that, uh, you had let us know that Bella's, and I'm going to say the wrong name, so I might just say Bella's Ranch because I'm going to butcher the full name. <laughs> Has, Bella's Hacienda Ranch. Hacienda. Hacienda. <laughs> What does that mean, Hacienda? Home. Oh, nice. Oh, interesting. See, we are clearly um, yeah. not uh, well-versed in, I assume that's Spanish? I think, yes. Okay, good. I was going to say, edit that out. Oh, interesting. Okay, we're awesome. good. Wasn't even Spanish. <laughs> She's like, no. Okay, so Bella's Hacienda Ranch um, is the only brothel run entirely by sex workers. Uh, there are no middle managers, CFOs, accountants, uh, chefs, housekeeping, etc., um, can you tell us a little bit more what that means and why is that an important aspect? I believe that women in the third decade of the 21st century should have the right to have their own business plan and understand if I'm going to say, if they were me, what goes in to having a legal house? Because they have the same license I do. It just caught mine costs more. So if they learn that how to cook for themselves, how to clean up, they have a, a, a bedroom that has a bathroom. Did anyone really teach them how to clean? Did anyone, you know, they're a sole proprietor. Did, did they know how to do laundry? It, it may seem that people should know that, but never do they always know exactly how to do that. We, people changed, uh, especially after the pandemic. 
that I like to call the pandemic. And, and it, it did, it changed everything. And so with these ladies, what I learned was when I opened anew, and I call it opening anew because I was closed for like seven months, but I needed to, I needed to evolve it. And in order to bring things forward, I didn't have a staff. I didn't have anyone that just suddenly prepared meals for them or, or you know, let's just say pushed them up when, uh, you know, someone trapped in dirt or whatever. And it, they, and it turned out that the women that wanted to work with me, because they don't work for me, they work with me, needed to needed to learn how to be self-starters. They needed to learn what it was going to take to attract the money that they knew was would come through the door for them. What did they need to do to become more proficient as a businesswoman? So I began adding things like, um, I, I'm just going to say, Self-help books, all right, that really talked about, um, let's call it the secret code of success. Or, you know, and sometimes uh, I, it happens to be uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich that's there. And and on the, the, the very first page, there's three words, and it says, thoughts are things. And in, and in this brothel run, it was like, what's going on in their mind? How do, you know, they, they can't look at one another and, and feel competition. They can't look at one another and have any, any kind of, um, I'm going to call it like judgment or where they might think that somebody's taking their money. It isn't true. If, if someone is looking for you, Danica, there's, there's only one Danica. I don't care how many blondes might be sitting right next to you. <laughs> if they're looking for you, they're, they're going to pick you, right? And so it's learning these things. It's learning how to be responsible. And I... I know that there's other houses, and in those other houses, there's lockdown policies, and there's um, rules and regulations that that I personally couldn't live with, where, let's say, you have a shift from 12-hour shift, and for that 12 hours, you're going to sit in a bar or a parlor, and, and you don't move. You don't go. You don't do anything. Well... There are maybe women that, that need those parameters. But I want, I'm hiring ladies that want to be self-starters. They don't need for me to say, okay, here's where you're going to sit. Or they keep their cell phone from being an interference in their, their daily lives. It, it has hiccups. But we get through them really quickly because... The vibration of the solution is always at a higher vibration than whatever the little hiccup is that we went through. 
And, you know, we do make errors. Instead of getting all upset about an error, well, how do we, how do we fix it? What's the next thing that gets to evolve? Because this being a sex worker has, has more layers than an onion as far as the, the complexity, the, the what does your client need? How do you prepare? You know, there's all, there's so many things that goes into this calling. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we say it a lot, the, the skills it takes uh, to be successful in sex work um, is probably like the most we've experienced at any jobs we've had, like the, the everything it takes. It's just not such a physical job. There's so much more reading people, people skills, um, making feel, people feel cared about. Um, Marketing, anything. your own finances, like... Yeah, yeah, appointment yeah. management, everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you mind walking us through what a shift um, would look like at the brothel? Are the girls um, are the girls pre booked and then they come to the brothel, or do they are they at the brothel and then get customers throughout the day? They come into the brothel uh, for what I call a tour. All right. Some ladies, it's a week, some are two weeks, some's a month. And some that really have some uh, big dreams and goals might be there for several months. And then they will, uh, then they may take uh, a few months off. Um, when they come in, we talked about the, the criteria of being, uh, of getting what I call the credentials that the city requires. And uh, these ladies, and I will mention this very quickly, they do blood and culture their first week. Let's say they are there a month. The next three weeks is culture only. And then they're back to the blood and culture. But when they come in, you know, they, they have a room. Uh, they, they unpack and they, they, they work to, I'm going to say, set themselves up in, in the brothel, okay, which means a trip to the store because they have to buy their own food, okay, because they know how they want to cook. They know what they want to eat. And we have vegans and vegetarians and junk food junkies and the ones that love the taco truck. And, we, <laughs> I mean, there's all these different, <laughs> these different um, uh, I'm going to say, uh, requirements for, uh, for nutrition. And, uh, and, and then it's... It's teaching them how to negotiate or uh, how to give a tour at Bella's and, and how, how comfortable are they with asking for a certain dollar amount. Because outside of a, of a brothel, usually money can't be discussed openly. There's, there's a, this whole other language that happens that helps determine, uh, the I'm going to say, the negotiation. And so it's learning that. And then, you know, uh, you know how, to, how to check for disease on a client. And we do have men, women, couples that come in. Um, there is one bit of side work that every lady does, and it's three or four times a day, 
where she actually does talk on the microphone of a CB radio. And I still use that because there are still uh, vehicles out there that have that device. And as I noticed that I'm going back and forth to uh, work their home, it seems to be the newest, most popular toy for men uh, in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> and so you see all these antennas sticking up on the mirrors, and I go, "Aha!" Another <laughs> one. And so it's it's like it's like I tell the gals, okay, maybe in the olden days, ten thousand vehicles passed through this crossroads, okay, and ten thousand of them or eight thousand of them had these radios. I said, so now let's say that there's a thousand. Well, can you handle a thousand clients? So, and then now it's building up again. And so with all of this great technology and satellites and, and uh, all the computer stuff that are in a lot of these long haul uh, drivers, cabs, well, we just got a van and we go pick them up, just advertise our phone number, pick them up. We take them back, right? There's there's always new ways to to market and to get them from there to here without it having to be that that whole big thing, that whole big truck with a trailer, right? And it, so we do as much as we're able to help them get to us, and and to keep that what I call you know we have a billboard on ninety three. But, you know, I, I really think that, that guys, w when they're really thinking about sex, I don't think they can read. <laughs> they could say women in 14-foot letters, and they just drive right by. <laughs> so we have to use a lot of different tools in order to do that magnetism thing and go, we're here. And, it, and, I, and I also believe that, you know, when when the ladies are working at Bella's, they, they typically take another name, right? And, and it's helping them understand that whatever name they chose, they got to keep the real them out of the equation because it, I believe it's a lot like Norma Jean and Marilyn Monroe. You know, one of them, Norma Jean needed to have a life and Marilyn Monroe was the sex goddess that could do anything that, that, you know, this, and could actually be the seductress, the temptress, the enchantress without ever thinking twice. And then it was Norma Jean's job to spend the money correctly. But I believe with all my heart that that is an important aspect. In my whole career, I've only had about five women that worked with their real name. And I mean, that is who they were. And it worked for them. So, I mean, there's all these little things that, that, you know, even like for me, Bella, I was born Shauna. But I changed. I evolved. And so, if, if I'm, I, I am Bella now. And so, whatever that 
seductress, seductress, temptress, and enchantress is, I don't have to take my clothes off. If I'm behind the bar, everything in my personality is in alignment with the courtesans that are working with me and their good. Because I'm the first person and the last person that client's going to see. And whatever that experience that that client would like to have is, is, I tell them, I said, look, whatever you think is going to happen, multiply it times 10. Because you have no idea what is going to happen behind that closed door. And they don't. And so when they, when they have that experience, and we'll call it the legal brothel experience of Bella's, it's something they'll remember their rest of their life. And, you know, I answer the emails. And the gentleman, he said, look, would it be okay, to, to, uh, an email today, would it be okay if I saw the same lady again? Or, or is that taboo? I, and he goes, by the way, I can't remember her name. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's what I'm saying. He remembers the experience. Oh, my gosh. And so he'll remember Bella's, but, you know, we, we deal with that in these experiences. So how do we take, and, you know, without po putting a, a, a post-it note on his forehead that when he looks in the mirror, it says, you know, whatever the gal's name is. And if we even give cards out, but heaven only knows where they go. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's this amazing, sensual, sexual Disneyland and yeah. when when the clients come through the door it doesn't matter if we were sewing the costumes on in the back it's like that 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 whole that I'm gonna say the stage is set for whatever it is that client is looking for all we have to do is get him past the fear of oh my gosh he has stepped into our energy of course he's afraid if it was in reverse and the lady was stepping into his residence or his hotel room totally a whole nother person is nervous mm -hmm. so it, it so it's unlike any other um uh, i'm gonna say platform of 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 a of i'm going to call it legal services and i still think and i i still think that there are other options including you know a, an actual location of legal brothels in other states rural areas etc and that would be if if a sex worker was an independent contractor, all right, and they got a business license in their state and it just said sole proprietor and they had medical clearances that they did, we'll just say weekly, and, and maybe they'd have to have a, a business license for the state that they're whatever the title would be on that, right? Or I'm sorry, the city that they're in. So there's their three documents, all right? And then let's say they get arrested and Bella's the judge. And Danica walks in and says, 
well, Your Honor, I have all my documents here. I'm an independent contractor. Here's my medical. Here are my two business licenses. I would throw it out. She's a businesswoman. Public safety has been handled. Every, everything was then adults. There's, nobody should be a criminal. It, it, just because they want to exchange something for services. So that's like an idea of another avenue because it's never, it's never everyone's desire to work in-house. But it's still their calling to work in the industry. And so it's finding that. But what works? What allows each person with a calling to run their business the way they want to, the way it, and in my case, these ladies have to fit under the umbrella of the code I get to follow, but then there's flexibility with the, with the licensing that they have. But there, I just see more options than have, I'm going to say, currently been investigated. And I think the industry's smart enough to just go out and do that without somebody telling them, well, this is how you have to do it. Then I, I know we are. You just do it. Run a test. What have we been? But the best test marketing that could have ever happened for over 50 years. So as a test, we've had no HIV, nothing. And, you know, let's face it, condoms had to improve. Lube had to improve. I was there when there were no condoms. Can you imagine that? No. You want to be like throwing up. (laughs) But I was there. The biggest conundrum was pregnancy. And then I've been there for the HIV. I've been there while condoms evolved, where lube evolved. And now, you know, the the COVID thing. It's, I, I said, look, this is, this this is not a sexually transmitted disease. Why am I closed? Sorry. You can wear a mask. Why, why? Well, it had to do with something greater than that. We were the last open. The last. Sorry, Bella. Why? We're just running a little long because you are such a well of knowledge, but we really want to get through um, some of the other questions we have while we have you. Um, you gave some really good advice about using, you know, fake names, keeping um, the Norma gene separate from the Marilyn Monroe. Um, do you have any more advice for girls thinking about entering uh, the industry or any safety tips? Because I've never worked outside the brothel, I, I would say that it's a whole nother career where you have to be everything where you have really, you, you talked about it. You have to be a marketer. You have to be your own security. You have to be your own money manager. I mean, it's a, all of you do a lot. And I would say that they need to find a mentor that can help them follow their path safely. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things I say. I've had quite a few years on Riley in the industry. And even when I first started, like, there wasn't 
I don't even know if Instagram was really big then. But there definitely wasn't the platforms there are now for sex workers to get advice, to ask questions. And seeing the new um, the newbies come into the industry, there's such um, there's such like a, a vast world of knowledge out there that they can tap into and people they can connect with. And I always say to them, like, if you're in a new club or you're if you're doing full service, find someone else who does it, who you respect the way they hustle, you respect the way they um, operate their industry and their um, their own business and see if you can learn from them, obviously offering them some kind of form of payment because they've worked hard to learn those things. Um, but I agree with you, having a mentor, or having someone to like kind of hold your hand or help you go through it is huge. And even just having close friends in the industry um, when you're having a rough day to kind of debrief with and take a load off your shoulders, it's huge as well. Someone who understands the industry with you because you're not going to go to your friends, your square friends, and tell them the kind of like weird thing that happened at work. <laughs> They're not going to get it. <laughs> yeah, I would argue that the advice has almost gone like, to, it's too available, especially through realms like TikTok and stuff where you really do have... Um, people not prefacing that that's just their experience from their, you know, point of view. And it's sort and of only the highlights. Yeah. And the o- only times. the highlights. No one talks about sort of like the, the dark areas of, of sex work. And I think that people come into it believing that they've, you know, they've gone out and, and seeked good knowledge and good advice. And then, uh, you know, they kind of fall short when it comes to like actual scenarios. Yeah. So find a good mentor, not just yes. a mentor. <laughs> Um, before we get into the listener questions, I want to ask you a few questions more about uh, yourself personally. <laughs> so with regards to the public, you know, we've talked about this at length on our podcast before, how hard uh, being in the public is when you are someone who is known as a sex worker, when obviously Riley and I are publicly out there as sex workers, um, you get a lot of backlash, a lot of stigma, a lot of hate. Um, do you also experience that as a brothel owner? Um, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> However, it's, oh, hang on, I just got to move over here. It's better than it ever was before. All right. And I, I'm going to say that, hang on one second, I really got to plug this in. Um, I, I believe that. I've been in Wells for so long that I'm finally at an age where I have respect as someone that runs a really progressive business. And, but for, I'm going to say almost all of my career, I had to be a woman that just didn't care what people thought. I, I knew I was doing what I was supposed to do. And guess what? I was going to do it. I was never going to, I was, I, I just believe we have to follow our calling. We can't listen to others that want to change our mind. We know intuitively what we're supposed to do. And we get to, and you both know that you aren't going to do it exactly as you're doing it forever. You're going to move on to something else, and it still could be in the industry, industry, um, new stuff. Mm-hmm. Another thing we talked about many, many times <laughs> is how hard it is not just to be in the public, 
but dating as a sex worker can be very, very hard. <laughs> How has yeah. it been? I don't know your um, situation, but if you are dating, um, has it been hard as a brothel owner? And kind of the side side question of that is when you met David, he had already owned the brothel. Did you find that a little off-putting or, or when you're like, sweet? <laughs> uh, well, because I been in that restaurant all right business and and understood a little more about them i felt uh just non-judgmental you know it was it was a legal business and uh and i actually wanted to learn more about it and i wasn't really under so young didn't really understand why but it really has been my platform for growth. I, I became who I am today through this industry. It isn't who I am, but it, it, it helped me become non-judgmental, kind in a different way, uh, a really good listener. And of course, it gave me a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> So cut out what you need to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I always say bit of work stories, you know? Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> so we had a lot of people interested in getting their questions into you, which we always open our platform for uh, listeners to ask our guests questions as well. And then we, um, in a kind way, trim the fat and we <laughs> take the questions that um, we think uh, the most people want to hear. So we have a few here for you. Riley's going to start us off with those. So what have been some of your biggest challenges with owning a brothel? Today or at any At any point, let's history. say. Um, if I was to say in the, I love to say the olden days. We got to have the olden days. It was um, pimps. And drugs. Those were my two most difficult situations. Um, present day, it's, I'm going to say lawyers or um, let's just say the leadership in communities that that, that want that want to tell me how to run the brothel and they've never run one and they want at times they want to make rules and regulations that are impossible and they think it, it deals with public safety and I'm saying you're incorrect it has nothing to do with public safety that's that's something that I'm closer to having a solution to than ever before. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so you you mentioned a little bit too, and this kind of leads into the next listener question, is with the legalization of brothels, um, there's, there's like less crimes, uh, less sex crimes and stuff like that. Uh, another listener question is like, what historic patterns are you breaking or changing with the way that you run your business? In Abella's, the idea of 
courtesans running the house means that courtesans that have retired can come and be part of the team. And they can, remember we were talking about mentorship. They mentor many of these young ladies that are just 21 and they don't know anything. <clears throat> and rather than having to learn incorrectly first, they're learning correctly first. And it helps them be successful at an accelerated rate. And so I do have two of these ladies that worked for me, one 16 years ago as a courtesan, the other one about 20. And they made their hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so that is hugely helpful. And I still qualify that as courtesan run because there is no one from the outside that would misunderstand why the dollar amounts that are booked come through the door. And typically, if a person has never made, uh, I'm going to say, a large amount of money for their time, then they're actually working against the attraction of the money, the magnetism, because they just can't imagine. It seems ridiculous to them if they're typically just a minimum wage worker or somewhere in that area. Another listener question here. How do you balance the care of your staff with the legal obligations? Which comes first? The care of my staff and legal obligations? Yes. My staff. Explain staff, Riley. Uh, I think she means the girls that work with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, oh, the oh, listener. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I don't, and I understand why you use staff now, but uh, the, the courtesans count on me to be what I call the, the, the madam mentor. They come first. Their success is first. If they do share their money, half goes to them, half goes to the house. They have to be successful. They get to be first before they ever have anything to share. So in their quest to be incredibly successful might mean that they have weeks that they aren't very successful. And that's okay because out of that comes even a greater success. So I, that they're my, if I, had no courtesan in the house, I'm a bar. If I have a courtesan, I have, I, I'm a brothel. I have someone that I'm going to say needs my guidance or my applause. And I think there was another part to your question. No, I think that no, answered yeah. it. I think you really enveloped those two perfectly. <laughs> so the next listener question here, what do you say to those who would suggest going straight to independent instead of working in a brothel? I get the impression full service sex workers may say or recommend this if they've had bad experience in brothels before. Oh boy. You know, there's only one Bella's. 
And there's some, some things that aren't very nice in other brothels. And I understand that probably the listener gave it a go. And I can tell you that when they say it's a bad experience, it is. So choosing the correct house is really important. Um, typically, I'm just going to say every house except for Bella's has a contract. And you will stay and you will uh, maybe become incredibly indebted to the house. And, and where, let's say there's 15 ladies there and five make money and 10 go in the hole financially. And to them, that's a horrible experience. If I have, and I can have as many as 14, but typically I have somewhere between eight and 11. Every woman at Bella's makes money. And as I said, I don't have a contract because this is how I feel. If she is going to embrace her fear, and after talking with me, and I'm the, the one that does the interviewing, if she's still going to embrace that fear, buy a plane ticket or get on a train or whatever it is, or car, and come to Bella's, I have the courtesy to allow her to leave if it just is the incorrect fit. My first question is, I understand. Let's never burn the bridge. And if you go away and decide that, that, that now you understand, and this is really what you're supposed to do, I will welcome you. I'll, I'll welcome her return. But I don't, when I interview, it's typically an hour to an hour and 20 minutes because they have a lot of questions and they want to know how much they're going to make. And the best I can say is, here's how it works. And if you're a self-starter and if you're secure in who you are and your self-esteem is like intact and you know you're beautiful just the way you are, you will attract your clientele. And everyone Everyone makes money there. Everyone. Period. We like to hear yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that was very nicely put. Um, and that brings us perfectly into another question, is how can people apply to the one and only Bellas? Ooh. Well, we have an application. All right. And there's a courtesan application, and it's called bartender. But it's what it means is a lady that's worked in the industry, she's, she knows she's supposed to stay in the industry, but as, as a mentor. I could say trainer, but it's so much more. And, and there is, there's room definitely for both. And, uh, and it's never everyone that can transition into being a mentor for the, for the youthful. Just think about how much you know, Danica, and you know now, Riley. It's like you'd have to, like, really go back to square one to tell them where you started. 
you wouldn't even actually remember. It's kind of like teaching somebody to drive. You know, you, <laughs> they get behind the wheel. They've watched everybody put the key in the thing and they sit there frozen. They, they can't even remember to put the key in. And we are like that, even though people may not like to hear that. It's a real form of education. And we are absolutely professionals. And I always say we're Don Totsu. We are the best of the best. And the young ones coming in, they want to learn that. 100%. Yeah, we are done, Tootson. <laughs> <laughs> so the last listener question here, which kind of brings me into um, our final questions for you. How are sex workers at your brothel able to advocate for their rights? I have to say that Advocating for their rights is actually done in, in, a, in a quiet way, meaning they can do whatever they want to do, sensual, sexual services, without anyone knowing what they're doing or judging them. If they wish to share it and talk openly about it, uh, then they can. Like I have one young lady, Kiki Lover. She, I openly ask her to speak out. She's been at other houses. They, they absolutely duct tape across the lips. You cannot speak out. You can't talk about being a courtesan. You can't talk about why you're in the industry and, and what's great about it and what you had to learn. And, and uh, I, it, there's so much to it, as we've said already, but, I want them to speak out. And they have that right to say, you know, if AVN wants to talk to them or News 2 in, in Reno or 13 in Las Vegas, speak up. I hire women that are incredibly educated. And I don't have to mean college. And when they open their mouth, they have important things to share. People want to know. And even the things that we're sharing right now, if a person's never been involved in the industry, they'll get part of it. But they won't get it all. They just they don't have any foundation to, I'm going to say, to help them understand the words that are being spoken. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's really important to have somebody that you look up to, you know, advocating for you to advocate for yourself. I think a lot of times in this industry, it, everything is sort of like hush hush and you don't talk about, you know, the negatives of, of certain places or your jobs and stuff. So yeah, I also wonder if that is also a gender difference as um, a, a female running a club or a brothel. Um, a lot of times I've seen male run clubs where something happens to a dancer and, you know, she's fired if she tells people. And mm -hmm. I've seen some really uh, unfortunate um, things happen where women feel like they're not allowed yeah, for, for loss of their job. Sure. But also that has to do with our legality. We have no legal rights nor uh, workers' rights in Canada, really, So uh, for sex workers. So that's a whole other topic. But <laughs> we don't want to take up your entire day, but we do want to get into 
more about your the foundation and some projects you've been working on before we let you go. So you founded the uh, Onesta Foundation. Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, it began for two reasons. First of all, uh, there was a big uprising because it seemed as though the uh, the late Dennis Hoff had hadn't been what you'd call uh, a very good owner for some of the ladies, and and maybe he had taken advantage of them, and and so that was a big thing that was going on. But then there was a whole another thing over in the western side of Nevada where the a religious group wanted to close down all of those houses they just and and so those two reasons and being a woman i felt like i had been in, a, in an industry long enough that i could be a spokesperson and help them be heard you know and and have where they weren't just speaking up and all of these negativities were being thrown back at them like, well, they were just, um, well, they worked in the sex industry and and nobody should listen to them. And, and it, it backfired somewhat, but I know the organization because I always felt like the industry needed to be more united than it had ever been before. I just didn't know how long it would take. So the organization began in 2018. But, you know, does it matter if I'm speaking out as, I'm going to say, uh, a longstanding owner of a legal brothel for you or someone who's in porn or someone... Uh, that that maybe is working in a massage parlor that gives happy endings. Does it matter that I'm speaking out saying, look, just get some legality behind it, but stop judging it. Stop making it a crime. And that's my, that's basically my platform. Anything that any of you are doing, and it's a broad you, not just the two of you, shouldn't be a crime and I'm because I'm part of the legality of it all I, I believe I can have the biggest mouthpiece as far as the rights of everyone and you don't have to work in Bella's Hacienda Ranch for me to feel strongly that you have your rights to be what you choose to be and to find a way to do it uh, where you don't have to be arrested. I know. I mean, I'm from New Zealand, so we have like different laws on um, prostitution too. I do actually believe it's legal there too. Um, and it is incredibly frustrating to have these things, um, you know, help and work out. And then for the country that we live in and, you know, also a lot of um, America as well, just be so like anti-legalization um, or anti-decriminalization. Um, but you also have a book called Sexual he Healing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, it's got, 
it's got some good things in it. It's it has a a first chapter that's called uh, a slow night, and it just so happened I was tending bar that night, and it, and it talks about what it's like for a young man coming in and and other clients that are coming in and and a little bit about you know the the lineup and and you know having the fantasy behind the closed door that isn't real explicit, but then coming back out to the bar. And there are other parts of it that are really the stories of a variety of women in different industries, all right, whether it's dancing or actually escorting and how they feel about, um, I'm going to say their industry, uh, what they might know about what my industry is and if they believe that it could ever be legal or a way for it to be legal and more accepted, uh, we'll just say across this country, but I still believe globally is important. So it, it really talks about why, uh, why their stories are important in all these different areas and then what uh what what happens with people that are sexually frustrated and how it gets into this incel and the dark web and and you know, some things in there that that would help humanity heal sexually so this country still hasn't figured out how to be human correctly. And I would like to believe that there are more and more people that are waking up to the fact that they get to. And one last project I want to touch on before we let you go. You also have a memoir titled American Madam. What made you want to write a memoir and what do you want people to take from reading it? Well, first of all, it, I was uh, the oldest child of six, and we didn't know we were middle class, which really meant poor. And we, we actually were rather sheltered. And it's, the book is actually uh, serious in parts and incredibly funny in other parts. But it talks about how I, how, how my childhood was, the total disaster of my teens and my 20s, and then as I get into this industry in my 30s. And it's, I felt in my heart that by writing it, women could understand that it doesn't matter where you come from. It, what matters is that you never stop following your passion, whatever it is. And that they, that burning desire that you'll follow, even if death happens first, is why that memoir needed to be written. Because I, I still have all the passion for, I'm going to call it, are you being sexual? It's a, it's a gift. 
And if we waste it, shame on us. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love can't it. wait to read it. That is a great note to end on. Bella, before we let you go, where can people find you or uh, your brothel? Oh, we are located on the northeast corner of Nevada. Uh, that's Wells, Nevada. And we are about six hours away from Las Vegas north. And so it's the crossroads of the western United States at um, Highway 93 and Interstate 80. Awesome. And Everybody and comes through Wells. Everybody. I love it. And <laughs> is there a website, an Instagram handle we should give them as well? Perhaps a CB uh, radio station <laughs> you can tune into. <laughs> What do you mean the, the, the new, the, the Instagram that changes what, weekly? <laughs> but we have bellas.us, okay? And that's the best way to uh, to get a hold of me. There's a place, just if you need to get a hold of me, email me. I I, I get every one of them. And huh? I'm, um, and and I, I answer, I work to answer the same day or within about 12 hours. Awesome. And that email is Hacienda MGR at gmail.com. So that's H A C I E N D A M G R at gmail.com. Beautiful. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at 50 plus a tip pod or email at 50 plus a tip at gmail.com. Sign to the DMs with any questions, comments. We love getting them. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Again, Bella, thank you so much for joining us. You are, like we said, such a well of knowledge and we love what you're doing. 50 plus a tip is brought to you by some amazing sponsors. X9 is a local Vancouver swimwear and exotic wear company that was started out for a love of creativity, art, and experimentation. Founder Emily and her long-term friend Hale opened the X9 showroom and design studio in 2018, located in the heart of East Vancouver. Emily and Hale continue to grow X9 with their team and with the original spirit of the brand in mind to create fun and unique pieces for sex workers, dancers, performers, and the queer community to express their confidence and sexuality. Check them out at X9 Bikinis on Instagram. Also, shout out to our sponsor, Levian Lash, for bringing our lashes to life. Whatever your poison, simple classics, wispy, dramatic, colored, and even bottom lashes, Liz is truly a master at them all. You can find her on Instagram at Levian Lash. That's L-A-V-I-E-E-N-L-A-S-H. And let her know that 50 Plus a Tip sent you to get your first $20 off. Mm-hmm.